listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. I was wondering after last week if y'all you know, want me to just resign and let Buck come on and finish this thing out. Amen. Amen. I love y'all. Appreciate it. I love Buck. He's a great encourager, and uh, you can tell he's on fire for the Lord. Uh, y'all be in prayer for Buck, and as they begin to, to launch out our new campus in, uh, in Dublin, that, that God will use him in a mighty way. Y'all keep praying for him. Because um, whenever there's a mighty work of God about to happen, you know Satan's going to attack. So be praying for Buck, be praying for his family. Um, I missed you guys last week, if that meant anything. And uh, I just wanted, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back and to be able to, to bring this word to you this morning. We're going to talk about um, our new series called The Way. And as I begin to think about this series and begin to, to, to really just try to unpack this for you guys, John 14, 5, 7 came to my mind. It says, Thomas said, he said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And I feel like there's so many people, and maybe you're here today that way, you don't even know which direction you're going. You don't know if it's up or down. You don't, this week's been so crazy, you don't have any idea where you're headed. You also don't even know where you will ever spend eternity either. A lot of us go through this life just hoping that if we do enough good things, that there'll be enough on the good side than on the bad side that God will say, you know what, come on in. And that's not how it works. So many of us are like Thomas of saying, hey, I don't even know the way. And I remember reminded of Jesus' words to Thomas. He says, look, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is the only way. Amen. He's the only way. There's, there's not four or five different ways to heaven. There's one way, and that's through Jesus. He says, I am the way. That means if he is the way, then I need to make sure I'm following Christ. Amen? I am the way. He says, I am the truth. That means Jesus is the truth. That means we have to walk in truth. We have to walk in, the, in God's word every single day, making sure that we're living by the truth of God. Amen? He says, I am the life. That means our lives should be surrounded and, and just really centered on Jesus Christ. If he's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father, if nobody gets to see in the presence of God without going through Jesus, and he is the way, then I made her make sure that I'm following him. Amen? Amen. So today, as we talk about Jesus, the birth of Christ, he's the way. You know, a lot of us, we grew up in church, and we, we know Jesus, we've heard the name of Jesus. Lord, I've heard, I've heard people, when things go wrong, first thing they say is, oh, Lord Jesus. They don't know him. They, they use his name like he's a, like he's a genie in the lamp, and, and he's the Savior that came. So I want, you, I want you to get this morning, as we read in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles to that. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. There'll be one at Next Steps table. We want everybody to have a, 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 verse, a copy of God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible today, you can read it on the screen. But if Jesus is the way, then we better know who he is. I want you to see today, I want you to understand who Jesus is today. I want you to understand why he came. And then at the end of the service, you have a response, that you, that you have a responsibility to make a choice, to choose how you respond to the birth of Jesus Christ. So as we, as we begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. The mother, his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he said he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Lord, praise Jesus for that. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will come, the virgin will conceive, sorry, and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And here we, we have a Matthew's, um, Matthew telling the birth of Jesus, and it's, it's, it's kind of compact, it's kind of Cliff Notes version, it's a lot different, um, it's really short, a lot shorter than Luke's version. Luke was a man of detail. Matthew's my kind of man, he's short, sweet, and to the point. But when you read this, when I read this about the birth of Jesus, you know, who is Jesus when we think, well, he's the, he was the baby born? We think of Jesus as, as a baby in the manger scene we see out there by the road. We, 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 we see these pictures that society has painted, but in reality, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He, so he was born of a virgin, right? So number one, he was fully human. Come on, he was fully human, right? Y'all got to speak to me this morning. So, so number one, he, he was fully human physically. He had a physical body. Jesus, Jesus had, he understands our aches and our pains. Some of us have more aches and pains than others, but he understands them. He, he was fully human in a way of mentally. He, he was mentally human. He, he had the same mental capacity. He, he, he had the same thought process. Jesus, he was the same, fully human emotionally and, and also outwardly. So a lot of times we think of Jesus as this, as this superhuman. Yes, he was God's son is God's son, but he's also, he was human. He was just as, he had, he had the same flesh and blood that we have. Why? Why did he do that? Jesus was fully able, because he was human, he was fully able to identify with each of us. He's, a, he's, able, he's, a, he's able to identify with all of us. See, he's not, he's not unlike us at all. Trying to, he's not unlike us trying to do something for us. No, he is just like us being a representation for us to the Father. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. So we have a Savior. I want you to realize this. We have a Savior that can identify with our struggles. We have a Savior that can, he, right now, Jesus Christ can identify with the struggle you're facing right now. My God can identify with the trial you're in right now. My God can identify with, with the sickness in your body right now because my God knows exactly what it means to be a human so why do we think that God don't understand, but he does. He, he, can, he can identify right where you are mentally. He can identify right where you are mentally. Right now, some, some of you have this, have this war going on in your head. You're, you're fighting a battle, and Jesus was in the same spot. I remember, I'm thinking about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was like, Lord, I want to do your will, but if you can take this cup from me. 
Do it, but I want your will to be done. Jesus knows what it means to struggle mentally. He knows what it means to struggle emotionally. God's word says that Jesus wept with Lazarus. He was in such an emotional turmoil in the Garden of Gethsemane where he actually was sweating blood droplets. He was in so much emotional turmoil. God knows. Jesus knows how you feel. So don't think that you have a God that don't understand you. God made you, and Jesus was human, so he knows the struggle. And and it's crazy because we affirm his humanity, but in the same breath, in the same breath, we have to acknowledge that he is the Son of God. Amen? He's fully human. He did not sin because he was the Son of God. He was fully divine. He had power over disease. Praise God for that. He went and he healed, he healed those that were sick. He cast it out. He had command over nature. I'm, I'm thinking about when Jesus was in the, was in the boat and, he was, and they were in that storm and the, way, and the waves were waging back and forth and, and the disciples were in panic mode. They didn't know what to do. Jesus got up and he said, what did he say? Peace, be still. And everything quit. I'm, I'm proud, and I'm just so, so thankful that my God is the God that he can still command over nature. He has authority over sin, and praise Jesus, he has control over death. I think about when he called Lazarus from the grave. That there's, no, there's nothing else that can do. There's nobody else that can do that. There's nobody else that can, that can resurrect a dead body but my Jesus. I think about his, even him, God resurrecting Jesus from the grave. When, he, when they, his resurrection power, it took the power of death away from anything else, and Jesus has it. We don't have to fear death because, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can experience heaven because of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's, and, and, and I know it's oftentimes I've read the Christmas story, and I was like, God, that's a strange way to save the world. Well, why would even do that? And the way Jesus came, he came to the lowliest of lows, which means there is not a person in here that is so low that Jesus Christ cannot save you from it. And he's also he's the king of kings, which means there ain't a person in this building that is so righteous and so good enough that God can't save you from your sin. I'm so thankful for that. That's who my king is. That's who my Jesus is. And I'm so proud that my God can, can just, he can relate to me. He can relate to my struggle. But he can also, in that same aspect relating to those things, he can also cast out my fear. He can also deliver me from my problems. That's the Jesus I serve. Is that the Jesus you serve? Why did he come? Why did, that, why did Jesus come? Why did God have to let Jesus be born of a virgin? Why did he have to come like that? Why? Why? Because of the fall of humanity. You remember what happened back in Genesis 1? Everything was perfect, and because of Adam and Eve's they choice, sin became a curse to humanity. And Jesus came. See, in contrast to Adam, Adam was the firstborn, which he failed to sin, and Jesus came to abolish the effect of sin in our life. Ain't nobody happy about that, huh? Ain't nobody happy about it. Jesus would come and save us from our sin. Nobody's excited that Jesus Christ came to save you from your sins. You should stand up and say, praise Jesus. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, 
Do you understand what God has saved you from? If we could pull back this floor and you could see the people in hell right now that's been rejected Jesus through the years, and you could say, he saved me from that, my God, you wouldn't stand still. You would never sit your butt in that seat again. You would constantly be in the presence of praise. But yet you remain sitting. He, brings, he, he takes the sin of our lives, guys, and he brings us salvation. I'm so thankful that if it wasn't not for Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful for him because if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would never, ever, ever have a chance to be saved. I would never, ever, ever have a chance to be able to pray to God and feel his presence. I would never have that opportunity if it was not for Jesus Christ. If God had not sent him the way he did, I would have never had the opportunity. Have you ever been in the presence of God? And if you've ever been in the presence of God, then you need to sit there and say, thank you, Jesus, for coming because I have this opportunity to be right here in the presence of my creator that made me. And that's something to shout about, church. See, Jesus also, he came to fulfill scripture because God's word is faithful, right? God's word is faithful. See, what I love about this is Matthew 1, 22, it says he, all this took place to fill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And verse 23 pretty much was a direct quote from Isaiah 7, 14, where Isaiah was prophesying hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. He was prophesying that God was going to send a Savior to save his people. But so many didn't understand that. See, Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to feed the hungry. He came to bless the poor. He came to the blind and the brokenhearted. If you've ever had a broken heart and God's healed you of that, you have something to be thankful for this morning. If you've been a religious person showing up at church every Sunday and finally God opened your eyes and made you realize that it's not about going to church but about following Jesus, you should be shouting happy right now. Amen? Amen. That's what he came for. He came to deliver the demon-possessed. Guys, he came for us. He was born that way for us. But he also came in full expectancy, even as a baby, to die on the cross. It wasn't about just his birth, but it was also just about just as much of his birth as it is about his death. To give his body for us, to shed his blood for us so that you and I could be rescued. And I love this. We could be rescued, but we also could be reconciled to God. Because without Jesus paying the penalty of sin, we would never be reconciled to God. God would never, ever have been able to hear our prayers if it had not been for Jesus. Man, I'm so thankful for Jesus. If you're thankful for Jesus, let me hear you say amen this morning. A little bit louder. Let me hear you say amen this morning. Because he's worthy. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Y'all need to get fired up this morning because God is worthy this morning. See, it's crazy to me because we just neglect this precious gift that God's given us. Jesus is a gift to humanity. Jesus is a gift to all of those that will trust and follow him. He gives us this gift. He gives the gift to those of us who will reject our old life, who reject this life of sin and choose to follow him. That's the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He didn't give the Jesus. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm dying for you if you will acknowledge me and live the way you've always lived. No. Jesus said, I came to die so that you would die to yourself and follow me. You would recklessly abandon everything you once were in order to follow me because I'm worthy. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. That's why he came. 
He didn't come for you to continue to live a life of sin. He came for you to change your life and follow him. I don't see how we don't get that because it's all through my Bible in black and white and red. That's why he came. He came so we don't have to live this sinful life. We wouldn't have to live this broken life. We wouldn't have to live a life that's just full of iniquity and full of shame. We can live this life victoriously if we choose to follow Jesus. We can live a life of peace, not worry about our problems, but always putting our problems and our faith in Jesus if we choose him. Amen? That's why he came. That's the good news of the gospel. Is that good news to you this morning? If it's good news, we got to share it. Amen? Amen. Two people want to share good news. It's the good news. That's, that's why he came. And it was crazy about it is this. John the Baptist, he preached repentance. And that's still relevant. We still need to repent. John the Baptist was preaching repentance. But before Jesus died on the cross, there was no way for us to continue to live in that repentance. You know what? Still, before Jesus died, that, oh, you could repent and you, could, you had to keep going and giving those sacrifices to the temple and keep putting that blood on there to the priest. But when Jesus died, he abolished all that because he paid a penalty of our sins. John the Baptist was, was calling for repentance, but Jesus made it clear that he had overcome, that he didn't come to overcome the world, but he came to overcome and transform our hearts and our lives to those that trust him. So I want to tell you this morning that if you made a choice, if you made a decision one day to follow Jesus and your life ain't changed, you didn't decide to follow Jesus. You just made an idle commitment. You didn't mean nothing by what you said because a man or a woman that chooses to follow Jesus Christ, they change. Amen. They pursue God because they understand that Jesus Christ is worthy. Amen. They understand that the sacrifice that was paid for them it was great. Amen. They understand that the blood of Jesus Christ covered their sins. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, they want to live their life to please him. Amen? That's what God says. That's why he came. Whew, I'm going to start preaching in a minute. So, so in response to that, what's your response to that? What is your response to that? See, verse 21, and it says that Jesus, he said, look, she gave birth to a son. And he said, you were to give him the name of Jesus so he will save his people from their sins. He didn't say save all people. If you were here today and you are not, you're not trusting and following Jesus Christ, you're not saved from your sins because you got to be his people. And the only way to be his people, you have to follow him. Amen? So I'm going to ask yourself, am, am I his? Have I truly... That commitment that I made, was it right? Was it true? Was it 100%? Or was I half-hearted? Am, am, am I just playing the religious game? What am I doing? I want to hear you. I want to tell you something this morning. God called us to plant a church to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ so people would follow him, not to have a congregation full of people that are playing games with God. I'm not interested in your games. I'm interested in you following Jesus Christ. What's your response going to be? How you, what's your response going to be to him? You see, you have, a, you have a choice every single day. Am I going to follow Christ? Am I going to follow myself? See, the birth of Jesus demands a response from humanity. You can't live this life without saying, I didn't choose. Because you make a choice. Either you choose to follow him or you choose not to. And when I read chapter 2 in Matthew, we read three different responses to the gospel. We read three different responses to the Messiah. We, we read three different responses to Jesus. And it's the same three responses that we have right here today. 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one that has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the, where, where, He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for it is written, and he quotes Michael 5 2, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, in Judah, I'm sorry, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So when you read this, we can respond in three different ways. The Magi, they responded in a way they were seeking the king. Are you seeking the king this morning? Herod, he was opposed to the king. He, he didn't want, he, he was deceptive. He was doing anything he could do to crush it, to get away from it. And then you have the religious leaders who ignored the king. And I'm confident that you're in one, if you're in one, you're one of those three groups today. Either you are passionately in love with Jesus Christ and you're following him, either you're ignoring him, or you don't want nothing to do with him. Now, I don't care that you came to church this morning, but your actions speak louder than your words. Jesus came to save us, guys. He didn't come to entertain us. See, we get a true glimpse of what true worship looks like when we look at the life of the Magi, when we look at the life of these wise men. See, magi is where we get the word magic from. But these were not magicians. These were more like astrologers. They were, they were very intelligent, schooled men. You know, we, also, we always sing these songs. Uh, what's that song? We Three Kings. But the scripture don't say there was three kings. They brought three gifts. And as I read the text, you know, there was, there was, a, there was probably, there could have been 10, there could have been 20, there could have been 100 men that came. They came from different parts of the world, but they came from a long way off. These people, these men, they seen this star and they started following it. See, when I read, when I read this about the Magi, I see that they were anticipating Jesus as the Savior. They recognized this is a big deal. They seen this star in the sky and stuff like that don't just happen. Amen? The star started moving. Stuff like that don't just happen. And they seen him as the Savior. 
When people see the change in your life, they say, you know what? Stuff like that don't just happen. And they begin to follow you because they see that you're following Jesus. Is that the case in your life? They anticipated him as the Savior. Are you, are you living a life in such a way that people are saying, Jesus is a big deal because of what he's doing in your life, how he's changed you, how he's transformed you? If he's not, you better ask yourself some questions. See, God gave them a, a miracle to point to the birth of Christ. And they traveled hundreds, even thousands of miles to see him. Now think about the same thing. God gave us Jesus to point us to himself. And this morning, I don't care how far you are from him. I don't care if you don't even know him. If you, this is the first time you've ever heard of Jesus. This is the first time you ever realized that you need to take Jesus seriously. As long as you keep your eyes on him and you keep, you keep searching, you keep seeking, you keep walking, you keep doing whatever it takes to, to see that star, to see Jesus, you keep doing that. Eventually, when you die, you will find peace. You will find the king. Amen? It's about focus. It's about these men, they were sold out. They went thousands of miles. And don't see a big deal. It's not a big deal to us right now, but, but let me tell you something. In, back in those days, it was unusual for anybody to travel without travel further than a 30 mile radius where they were born because you had to walk everywhere or ride a camel somewhere. For, you, for somebody to make that kind of commitment to go that far meant that that was a big deal. Church, Jesus is a big deal. Jesus is a big deal. And these men, these were not Jews. These were Gentiles. These were people that they didn't really understand what was going on? They just knew that this was a big deal, and I need to follow whatever this, whatever God is telling me to do. I need to follow Him. What's God telling you to do? What's God telling you to do, church? What's God telling you to do that you hadn't been doing? Have you taken your eyes off the star and started doing your own thing instead of following that star? Instead of following Jesus? Instead of following the leading of the Spirit? Because so many times we take our eyes off of Him. But these men, they were diligent, and they followed Jesus. Many, many miles because they were anticipating him as a savior. Verses 9 through 11 says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. Joy is not something that I see in a lot of Christians' lives. We act like it just, we, we, we decided to follow Jesus and it just sucked all the fun out of us. Following Jesus is exciting, church. I get to see people go from death to life. I get to see people, man, I get to see miracles happen. You do too, but you got to step out of your comfort zone and do something. So many of us are praying, God, let me see something. God, let me do, and he, God's saying, you know what? You need to step out and do something. Don't just pray about it. Step out. Some of it's time for you to step out. Time for you to stop praying about it and start doing something about it. See, when I, man, I wish you could feel the way I feel this morning. I wish I could interject some of you guys with this. I know I say it a lot, but, man, following Jesus is exciting. I, I wouldn't trade this in for nothing in the world. I, and, and let me tell you, if doing drugs had anything, made you feel anything like this, I can understand why people get addicted to it. And I thank God I didn't do it. But I'm just saying, it's a, just seeing God do things. It's amazing. They, they, they were overjoyed. They were happy. There's not a feeling in the world that can top when, when you've been praying for somebody 
and they get saved. There's not a feeling in the world. There's a lot of you in this room that's brought me a lot of joy to see you go from death to life. You know what gives me even greater joy is to see you continue to walk in that. See, just, just getting dunked don't mean that you're, that you're, that you're good with God. When you're, truly, when you're truly filled with the Spirit, when you're truly saved, you're walking with Jesus. When I see people that are growing, when I see people that are, that are excited, when I see people that are sharing the gospel, man, that gives me so much joy. And not just as a pastor, but as a fellow believer, because I'm like, whoo, that man's got it. That woman's got it. Because there's so many people that don't have it. There's so many people that play games. There's so many people that don't realize what a precious gift has been given. They were overjoyed. It's joy, attribute of your life. Because they went so far, and they finally seen him. They finally saw him. Let me tell you, the people that I see that have the most joy are the people that's been brought through the biggest bunch of hell. The people that's been drugged through the deepest, darkest pit. The people that, that, that was, when there was no light, Jesus shined the light to them, and they were like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. They jump up and down. They were just, those are the people that we think are crazy. Like, what's wrong with him? He just raised his hand in church. Oh, Lord. He just said amen. Yeah, like that. You know, I, why? Why? Why do we not just get happy and jump and shout? We think quietness means reverence. Let me tell you something. It ain't going to be quiet in heaven. And if you ain't happy right now serving God, you ain't going to be happy in heaven. It's time for us to get happy, church. It's time for us to pray and say, God, where did my joy go? And please restore it so that people can see me as a happy follower of Christ, not this bitter Christian. Because there's a lot of people that I've seen. I'm like, you know what? If following Jesus means I got to look like that, I mean, they've had a frown for so long, there's lint in the corners of their mouth. I mean, they just a bitter, just mean, hateful-looking Christian. It's like, you know what? I don't want that. I want, man, it's happy. I want somebody to, when I see somebody that's shouting, I'm like, you know what? They get it. They get it. And also, they bow down and surrender. That's, that's the coolest thing. Not only were they happy, but they surrendered. They, it was a baby. It was a child. And it was so important. They just bowed down. When's the last time you've bowed down and said, God, I surrender this to you? We want to, God says every day we should pick up our cross and carry it daily. That means surrendering our lives to him every single day. That means in the morning you need to say, God, I rebuke this offense that I have toward my brother. I'm going to pick up this. I'm going to surrender my problem to you today. God, I'm going to surrender my pride to you today. Do you get up and do that? Or do you just say, you just pray a generic prayer and get up and go to work? And then you wonder why you walk in defeat all the time. You need to get down every day and surrender it to God. We don't surrender our stuff to him. We want to carry our stuff alongside of carrying our cross. And that'll weigh you down, God. Guys, that'll weigh you down. God said, I, gave, I came to give you life and give it more abundantly. Leave the junk at the cross and walk in victory toward him. You'll be a lot more happier just praising Jesus. That's why we're so upset sometimes. God's been, man, I'm telling you, God's been teaching me that. Whoo, he's been teaching me that. I want to I bring all my problems with me and, say, and act like God can't help me with them. And he's saying, I came to free you from that. Give it to me. He bowed down and surrender. You know, surrender means that I don't just come and lay it down once. It means I continue laying it down. It's a life of repentance. It's a life of surrendering all. Amen? What have you been carrying that you need to surrender today? 
See, when I read verse 11, when they, when they came and they surrendered, they gave them the, they gave it the best. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave the best. See, we've seen those songs of We Three Kings, and we think, well, you know what? They just, they, yeah, they brought the best because they were kings. They were not kings. They were very intelligent, learned men. They may have been a little bit, they may have been wealthy, but they brought the best of the best. Have you brought your best to Jesus? Have you? Are you giving him your best, are, are you giving him your best every day? Are you giving him the best of your time every day? Are you giving him the best of your talent every day? Are you giving him the best of your, of your money? Have you? Have you? See, giving God our best shows what has our heart. And if we're not giving him our best, that means we're saying that he's not worthy of our best. And if he, to, if he gave us this precious gift, he gave us all, we should be willing to give him our best. Amen? We can't give him no excuses. You can't say, well, God, you know, I would give you this, this, and this of my life, but you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not rich. God's not calling you. He's calling you to give out of the thankfulness and abundance of your heart. And not just money. That's one thing that kills me. People say, well, I, you know, I can't give generously because I, you know, I, don't, I don't make a lot of money. Give what you can. Give what God's telling you to give, but also give with all of your heart. Pour your soul into Jesus because he gave his life for you. He gave you, the soul. He gave you your soul to be able to live for him. A good, indicator of, a good indicator of that is, how about your prayer life? Some of my prayer life is like, Lord, give me a good day. Lord, help me today. Uh, not be hateful to Sally Sue. And Lord, just let me do this. Amen. We get up and we go. And we're like, ooh, I said my prayer today. I'm good to go. And that's not it. God wants you to come in and say, just pour out your soul to him. Just pour it out and say, God, I give you this today. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to spend, he wants a relationship with you. If I talk to my wife like that, and I have from time to time, it don't work out real good. If I come in, it's like, baby, I love you. I'll see you later. Boom. Let me tell you, she is not happy when I come home. Because she wants my time. She wants me to, to tell her that I love her, to, to spend time with her. She wants to know that I value her. And how I value her is how I spend time with her. It's the same with God. You're not telling God that you value him just because you made a commitment. What does your time say about how you value God? And I know I'm probably river dancing on your toes this morning, but that's the reality of it. Is He's worthy, amen? He gave us a gift, amen? So we should give him our time. The reason that you're walking in dryness is because you're not giving God the time that he deserves to do things in your life. When's the last time you just got in his presence and just wept? You won't ever experience that unless you give him time. Verse, the end of verse 11 and verse 12, when um, verse 12, it says, when they, they had been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they returned to the country by a different route. So they were obedient. To follow Christ means to be obedient. Amen? I don't, I don't, it ain't that I choose to do this or do that. No, if I'm truly following Jesus, I'm going to obey his word. I'm not going to obey half of it. I'm not going to rip out the pages I don't like. I'm going to obey every ounce of his word. That means I got to forgive those that don't forgive me. That means I got to walk in, walk in love to those that hate me. Amen? That means I got to, I got to sit there and I, got, I, I can't cheat on my spouse. That means I can't, I can't live in a way that doesn't please God. That means I can't live with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. That means I cannot 
have sex outside of marriage. That means that I walk in the truth of God. There's no substitute. You can't choose what you want to obey and what you don't want to obey. If you truly are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will obey his word. Don't sit there and say, I, can't, I cannot forgive them. If you love Jesus, you will. You can't sit there and, and, and act hateful and say you're a godly man or woman. You can't sit there and live in sin and say you're following Christ. It don't work that way. My, my God, my word says that they obeyed him. Are you obeying Jesus? What do you need to obey Jesus in? What have you been falling short in? What have you been hoping that God's been closing his eyes and saying, you know what, I think you're doing this, but I'm just going to close my eyes so I don't really know it. No, he knows. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets of your heart. So what are you doing right now? What are you doing that does not give God glory? If we put this week of your life on that screen right there, would it please God? Or would you be ashamed? Because to be a true follower of Christ means to truly obey God. See, to look at the life of the Magi, I see a true picture of a follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody that is sold out, that's going to do anything, that's going to go to great lengths to please God, that's going to do no matter what it takes. Because if they were afraid to obey God, if they were afraid that, you know what, if I don't obey God, if they didn't really believe in God, guess what, they would have went back to Herod. They went back and told Herod where Jesus was. But instead, they was like, you know what? This is something huge. This is something important. This is big. And I'm going to do what God's called me, told me to do. Is that your heart? Church, do you walk in that every day? Christian, do you walk in that every day? Do you walk in that every day? God didn't call us just to come and show up to a church service. God called us because of the gift Jesus gave us to walk with him every single day. And if you're not walking with Jesus every single day, then guess what? You probably don't know Jesus. And that might sound hard, but that's the truth. Do you know him? Are you walking with him? See, a lot of us, a lot of us aren't walking with God. A lot of us aren't walking with Jesus. We, we put the mask on that we are. See, just like Herod, a lot of us, a lot of us at most of us in here, I won't say most of us, but a lot of us act like Herod. When we were kind of talking about the scripture and talking about these things. Dustin Phillips, he's the, he's the uh, discipleship pastor and youth pastor at, uh, in, the, in the Dublin campus, I mean, uh, Vidae campus. And Dustin said, you know what? He said, in our actions, we want to be like the Magi, but in our hearts, we're a lot like Herod. And when I said that, I was like, man, that was kind of tough, but you know what? That's the reality. We want our actions to show that, but in reality, Jesus is an offense to us like he was to Herod. He's an offense because that means if we're going to truly follow Christ, that means I have to let up the control. I can't be in control. I can't be the king over my own kingdom. I have to give God the reins. Have you given God the reins or are you still trying to call all the shots? Y'all going to be quiet today, huh? See, Herod seen Jesus as a threat and he took every effort to avoid, avoid him. Have you, have you been trying to avoid him? What's God been telling you that you've been avoiding? You know, I don't want to deal with that, so I'm just not even going to get around that person. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm not even going to go to church. It's crazy the people that I know that haven't been to church. They claim to be a Christian, but they ain't been to church in months and months and months because 
They know that if they go to church, they're going to have to deal with something in their life, and they choose not to. That's not a true follower. That means you love yourself when you love God. See, Herod, he seen any person that didn't, that didn't see Jesus the way he did, he was angry at. Herod killed people. Herod, Herod killed a lot of his family. He was a very ruthless man. When people didn't see Jesus the way he saw Jesus, they, he attacked them. He was fixed. He ready to get rid of Jesus because that come in a direct attack to his kingdom. Have you pushed him off because you're worried you're going to have to change your friends? Have you pushed him off because you're worried you're going to have to change some things in your life? Have you, have you been pushing off following Jesus Christ because of your comfort? Because that's a direct offense to the gift being given to us. See, so many of us are just unwilling to give up the power and the control of our lives. We want to call the shots. I'm not going to ask you to raise, hand, raise your hands because I'm going to ask you who's the control freaks up in here, but there's a lot of you. If you ain't in control, then you ain't comfortable. And to follow God means that you aren't calling the shots, that you're allowing him to, to let you, do, you're allowing him to call the shots for you. This morning, I was praying for a man. I was praying for a church this morning. And God laid this man on my heart. And I began to just wept. And I was like, God, I don't want to go over there. And it was like that moment, that moment, he was like, you need to go pray for him. I was like, God, I don't know what to say. He's like, I'll give you what to say. I gave you some excuses. I ain't going to lie. But you know what I did? I got in my truck. I quit praying. I drove over to that man's place. I went inside and said, hey, can I pray with you? And it might not have done nothing for him. But God told me to, and I did it. When we're worried about how we look to others, we show God that we're trying to be in control. Do you care more about what other people think about you than you care about what God thinks of you? Are you willing to look like a fool for the glory of God? Are you willing to be misunderstood by everybody in your family in order to give God praise? See, church, most of us don't understand what it truly means to follow Jesus. We want to play it safe. And he's not calling us to play it safe. He's calling us to step out on faith. It looks deep out there. But in reality, when we take that first step, it's only ankle deep. And the more we step, the more we rise over the water. And it may look deep. It may look hard, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. Take the step, church. Be obedient to God. Stop, have, stop being like Herod. Herod is a great example of how we in our arrogance think that it's all about us. It's all about our control. We often do whatever it takes to remain in control of our lives by being deceitful, by being underhanded, by lying, by, by stealing, by doing whatever it is to hide our intentions. And we think because our intentions are hid, that nobody knows, but God does. Amen? See, many of us are threatened by Jesus. We give reasons why we haven't chose to follow him yet because we'll lose control of our life. And there's so many, so many of us in this room that are anxious all the time, that we're, we're troubled, we're confused, we're trying to run our own lives. We're in turmoil every day. And a lot of those things will go away if you just give your life to Jesus. It don't mean that it's going to be easier. It might not mean that anxiety may totally leave, but it means that, hey, I'm resting that God knows more about how to run my life than I do because he created me, he created the universe. 
Nothing will make you, me and Sabrina, we went skydiving. And I'm going to tell you, when we went skydiving, when I jumped out of that plane, the first thing I thought was how insignificant I am. Because my parachute didn't open, I would just be a little speck in the landscape down there. And we think that in opposite. We think that the world revolves around us. In reality, it doesn't. Stop trying to be in control. Stop trying to be like Herod. See, and then the last group that, that, I, that is really sad is the religious leaders. Because the religious leaders, they knew. They knew the Word of God. They, they were even quoting Scripture from the Old Testament. They were quoting stuff from memory. They were quoting the Scripture. They knew God's Word, but yet they failed to obey it. How many in here know the Word of God, the word of God but you failed to obey it? That's sad. That's dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. See, when Jared, Jared, when Herod, I got him on my mind today. When Herod asked the Jewish leaders about the coming Messiah, where he would be born, all those things, they knew it. They knew the town. They knew everything. They were five miles, five miles away from the Messiah. Five miles, but chose not to go worship. Because Jesus wasn't what they were expecting. There's so many people that I know that, made the, that tried to make a commitment to follow Christ, but they thought that the moment they stepped into it, that life was going to be, they were going to get their angels' wings, everything's going to be great, nobody's going to have anything bad to say about them. There would be no offense, there would be no suffering, there would be no trial, there would be no sickness. And the moment something like that hit their lives, they said, this ain't what I signed up for, and I'm out. It's a dangerous thing to know the Word of God and refuse to obey it. They quoted prophecy, but they were ignorant to the true meaning of it. They had been looking their whole lives, guys. They have been looking their whole lives. And when it was right in front of them, they ignored it. They were right because it wasn't what they thought it should be. How many of you in this room right now have been, you had, you had this glorious idea what it meant to follow Christ, but yet you truly aren't been, hadn't been following because it wasn't what you expected? Maybe the road's been tougher than, it should, than you think it should have been. And you chose not to. I want to tell you, let me give you some, let me give you some encouragement today, church. If you're in here today and you're walking through the deepest, darkest hole of your life, and you're walking through it. Don't quit. Lord, don't give up. A lot of times these struggles we go through is testing to see if you truly are going to hold on to Jesus. And if I would have quit at the first, first little speck of opposition, I would have quit a long time ago, and I would have never seen God do amazing things in my life that he's doing. A lot of you are just one more step closer to him, to see him do amazing things in your life. Don't quit. The struggle may be tough, but I'm telling you, the gift that God's given us is worth it. Amen? And when we quit, when we back up and we say, you know what, this isn't what I expected, that's pretty much saying, I want God on my terms. And he didn't ask you, should he come the way he came? He didn't ask you, should he die on the cross? He's the God of the universe, and we should submit to him. Amen? It don't matter how you feel. He's the God that created us. So many people are just religious. They keep playing games. They come to church. They, they may read their Bible, but they don't obey God. It doesn't matter how many times you went to church. I guarantee you that there's no book in heaven with attendance. 
But there's a book in heaven. Who has your heart? If God truly has your heart, you will obey him. And we live in an age right now where everybody says they follow Jesus, but very few do. We live in an age right now where people want to be accepted by certain people and they'll say they're following Christ, but they're really not. They don't obey God. They're trying to run their own lives. They don't, they don't really, he's not the reason they live. Is Jesus, let me tell you something. When you wake up in the morning, is Jesus Christ the reason you get up and do what you do? That, he's the Savior. He's, he should be our world. He should be every, he should be the purpose we live. Is he your purpose? And I know this might be intense for some of you this morning, but I want you to get the weight of this. This is your eternity at stake. This isn't just getting through this service. If you leave out of here and you die and you don't know Jesus Christ, you will spend an eternity separated from God. And Jesus came so that to reconcile you to God, so that you could talk to God, so you could have a relationship with God. It was through the birth of Jesus Christ. It was through the way he made for you to spend eternity with God if you choose to follow him, not just accept and believe. See, following Jesus is where you separate the men from the boys. It's where you separate the haves from the has-nots. The bottom line is this. Jesus came and Jesus died for you to follow him. He's the savior of this world. And if you truly love him, if you truly care about him, if you're truly a follower of him, then guess what? You will surrender your life and you will follow him. You will surrender how you feel. You will surrender how you look. You will surrender everything and give it to him. And I know life is hard. I know some of you in here have went through pain and hurt of losing loved ones and, and been hurt by things people said. I know some of you have had an extremely difficult past. But my God is bigger than your past. And if you'll just trust him today, if you just say, you know what, God, all this has been on me and I've been mad at you. But I want you to be honest with God today and say, God, I've been mad at you, but everything's been going on. But Lord, I want to give this to you today. Lord, take this weight off of me. Please surrender your life to him today. There's no greater peace, there's no greater feeling than I ever had in my life than when I chose to follow Christ. That don't mean there hasn't been bumps along the way. That don't mean there hasn't been times where I've been like, God, what's going on? But I've kept, I've kept my hand holding on to his, to his garment every day, saying, Lord, don't let me leave you. Do you desire Jesus more than you desire your last breath because he desired you that same intensity. When he was taking his last breath on the cross, guys, when he took his last breath, he was thinking about you. So why don't you live for him? Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. And no one, no one makes it to the Father except through him. So do you see Jesus Christ as the Magi? Did you see Jesus as the Messiah? Do you see him through the eyes of Herod? Is he an offense to you? Is he, see, you have to let go of your past. You have to let go of these things that you don't want to let go of. Or if you're just being religious and you've known what you should do for years, but you just haven't done it, you haven't obeyed. Where are you at today? You know, 
I'm not a big Harry Potter fan at all, but they were talking about there's a mirror in that movie. I don't remember the name of it, but there was a mirror. And it shows you, when you look into that mirror, it shows you your deepest desire. The hiddenness, most deepest desire of your heart, it'll reflect that thing to you. And if there was a mirror sitting right up here today and you were looking into it, would your deepest, darkest desire, would it be walking every day with Jesus Christ holding your hand? Would your deepest, darkest desire mean that you were sitting in a crowd of millions of angels throwing your hands up saying, glory, glory, glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Would that be your deepest, darkest desire? Because if not, you're not a true follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm just a man. I'm just preaching God's word. But God knows your heart better than even you do. But he's looking in your heart right now. He knows if you've chosen him or not. He knows if you're lying to yourself. He knows if you're lying to everybody else. So today I want to ask you, if you truly, truly want to follow Jesus Christ and to surrender your life to him, I want you to boldly just say, that's me. I want to, I want to surrender my life and give it to him today. I want to quit playing games and I want to quit being religious and I want to surrender today. I want to give him my life because of the gift he's given me. And that's you today. Just raise your hand. And we want to pray with you. We want to, we want to celebrate with you. We are excited when anybody comes to know Jesus Christ. Anybody. Anybody. One of the greatest tragedies ever is to leave a place where there's opportunity for salvation and not walk in it. So when the altar gets open, when the band comes up, as the band comes up, I'll be standing in this corner, and if you, God's moving your heart for you to accept him as his Lord and Savior, to surrender your life to him, I'll be right here to pray with you. Please come. Please surrender your life to him because he is the only way. But those of you who didn't raise your hand, you ain't fooling nobody. And a lot of you are fooling yourself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He should be your life. Are you walking in the truth of the gospel? Are you walking in the truth of God? What are you walking in that does not please God? What are some things that you need to change? Think about it. What are some things that you know that does not please God, but you do every single day? That shows disrespect. God wants us to follow him intently. Amen? God wants us to follow him wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. Let me tell you something, church. If you get serious with Jesus Christ, God will transform your family like you have never seen in your life. God will change this community like you've never seen in your life. He wants people that are sold out to him. And the reason we're dry, the reason we don't see God move is because we're not really real with God. He wants you to be real. He didn't die for us to be fake. He didn't come and say, I'm going to be born. Never mind, I changed my mind. He was constant. He was diligent all the way to the end. So stop giving him your excuses of why you're not being serious and lay him down here at this altar and get up from here and pursue God like you never have before in your life. That's your challenge today. That's your homework for this week. That's your call as a follower of Jesus. So when I start praying, if God's moving your heart, then you better start moving. 
Be obedient. Father, I just come to you right now, Lord, thanking you, Lord, for what you're doing. God, I thank you for... God, I thank you for how much you love us. God, I thank you for you that you made a way when there was no way, God. I praise you, Jesus, for that you loved us in spite of ourselves, God. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, right now, Lord, that you would, God, really, Lord, knock away the barriers in our hearts and our minds that, that we think we're the kingdom of our own kingdom, God. Make us understand and realize today, God, let us feel the weight that you are the king of kings, Lord. Father, I pray right now that anything that Satan has put in our heart, God, I pray right now you would abolish it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray, I hunger, I thirst, Lord, for you to do amazing things in our lives, God. Lord, help us not continue to walk in the way of the unrighteous, Lord, but walk in a way that's worthy and pleasing to you because of the gift you've given us, Lord. That people know that we are the people of the way because you are the way, God. Father, help us, Lord, be sold out to you. God, help us, Lord, be passionate about you. God, help us, Lord, be intentional every single day. God, I pray right now that you would reveal things to us. Lord, reveal to the ones in this room that are fake, God. Those that are just religious, Father. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, you would reveal their fakeness right now. God, I pray you would break their heart, Lord, that it can't leave this place without getting right with you, Father. God, their eternity is at stake, and God, and I beg you, God, I beg you to open their eyes, Lord, because they're blinded. Religion don't save you, but God, we all know that Jesus does. Lord, I pray you would put that reality in their heart. Father, I pray for those that, that have chose not to follow Jesus because of their past, because they're mad at you, because of things that happened. God, I pray right now you would burden their heart. You would break the spirit of Herod out of their heart, Lord. I pray, God, you would move in a powerful way. Lord, only you can change the heart of a man. And God, I pray you would do that today. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, help us truly be yours. God, consume our lives. God, change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.